Welcome to Buildings and Beyond. A podcast that explores how we can create a more sustainable built environment. By focusing on efficiency, accessibility, and health. I'm Rob Aldrich. And I'm Kelly Westby. This week I talked with John Balf from NEEP, the Northeast Energy Efficiency Partnerships. And John works a lot with school buildings, high performance schools. Uh, there's an organization called CHIPS, CH. PS, Collaborative for High Performance Schools, which offers guidance and also certification for schools all over the country. And NEEP, John's organization, manages the kind of the Northeast regional version of CHIPS uh, for folks in the, in the Northeast and the Mid-Atlantic. Uh, I do want to say that the website, chipschps.net, is the proper website. A couple times in the episode, I think I say chps.org. That is incorrect. So it's all correct in the show notes. So here's an interview with John Buff. Uh, all right. High performance schools. First of all, did you go to a high performance school? Uh, I did not. Well, I went, my high school was decent. It wasn't built to any criteria. My old elementary school uh, recently got um, knocked down and renovated and it is now a high performance school. It's a, it's a chip school. So it oh, was right kind of on. cool to see. And I actually went back and did a case study on it. So that was kind of oh, cool. Cool. Where was and it? Was, uh, it's in Middleton, Massachusetts. All right. Cool. So, yeah. It was a lot better than when I went there. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I was thinking back when we were kind of prepping for this call, I was thinking back on my school and it was, you know, I think it was built in the fifties or something. It was mm-hmm. before I was born. Uh, and it was the the one thing I remember when I was thinking about it was just the heat. You know, if you go back to school in September, you can get a heat wave in September. Right. This was also in Massachusetts, and I remember just being stifling in classrooms. Oh, so uncomfortable! That's, yeah. <laughs> that's not a good place memory. to learn. Exactly. <laughs> so, so when we're talking about high performance schools, I, it, the first thing that comes to mind for me is kind of indoor air quality. Is that is that a big pillar of of chips of these programs? Yeah, I think indoor air quality, um, and you know, we kind of even broadened it a little bit further than that to to the indoor environmental quality. Uh, so things like acoustics, air quality, uh, thermal comfort of the building are kind of you know the key components of indoor environmental quality. All really important because you know if a student sitting in the back of a class and the HVAC equipment comes on and is really loud and distracting, you know that kid in the in the back of the class might um, might not be hearing what the teacher is saying, and you know that can be uh, really difficult. Uh, you know, not not a great learning environment. Um, so, you know, kind of the other two pillars, I like to always say that there's, there's three main pillars, um, energy efficiency in environmental, uh, stewardship really. So, you know, it's an energy efficient building and reduces the impact on the environment around us. Um, so to me, those are the big, the big three things that high performance schools have in common. Gotcha. Gotcha. Efficiency, indoor environmental quality, not just air, indoor air quality. And uh, and environmental impact local locally and globally thinking small and big. Yeah, I think you know as as much as possible. You know, and in, in the uh, chips criteria, there's you know you can get points for locally sourced materials um, and you know citing your your school building in, in a proper way. Um, but you know, I think it's uh, it has a local impact for sure. But you know, I think it's we're all in this together, so it's you know kind of a, a global impact as well. Awesome. 
and and there i mean there are plenty of high performance building programs green building programs what i mean what is different chips is very specific to schools what are the big challenges or what are the what's different about schools that that chips addresses yeah i'm i'm glad you said that chips is uh you know designed just for schools um it was um you know lead has a a a, a few different um building types that it works in and, and really is focused on kind of community-wide stuff, uh, which is, you know, super important. But schools were uh, the focus of CHIPS from the, the beginning um, and Northeast CHIPS, which is the, the criteria that I'll probably be referencing um, throughout the talk today. But, uh, you know, that was built with uh, input from a lot of regional stakeholders here in the, the Northeast region, uh, facility directors, school business officials, architects and engineers. Um, so it was really, you know, a, a collaborative effort to, to build this criteria with, you know, what's really important here in the, the Northeast. Um, so, you know, I think there's regional, adi- regional adaptations of the CHIPS criteria, um, Northeast CHIPS being one of them. So I think that's, you know, a little bit different of a twist uh, from maybe some other criterias that are out there. Um, and, you know, what's different about schools, I think uh, we all know how important schools are. You know, it could be the reason that folks move to a town uh, if there's a really good school system. You know, we often say that they're the center of the community. Um, and I think that's so true now more than ever um, with some of the resiliency discussions coming into play. Uh, you know, they're being used as community centers more and more. Um, and, you know, so often we're seeing uh, a, a new school being built and that school is being used for many other things before, besides just kind of the educational uh, component of it. You know, obviously that's the, the main focus, but, you know, there's uh, stuff going on during the summer at the schools. Maybe there's stuff going on in the morning before school or uh, afternoon activities, whether that's sports or camps or, um, you know, feeding the hungry in that community, you know, we're seeing that, uh, happen a lot. So I think, um, that's kind of what's different about schools. You know, they're, they're just the center of the community and they're used for a lot more than education. Um, and I actually wrote a blog on this not too long ago, about not too long ago, um, that highlighted that students spend over, I think it was like over 15,000, maybe close to 16,000 hours, um, over their life in a school building. So it's, you know, a, a place where, Students are just spending a ton of time um, and, you know, having a, an important focus in these environments, you know, I think just makes good sense and, 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 you know, over the long run can save the community a lot of, a lot of money if we're focusing on high performance. No arguments. So, so interesting. So like a lead, you can have a lead restaurant. A restaurant is used as a restaurant all the time. But whereas mm-hmm. schools are, are, like you said, they're going to be, you know, used during the school day. And then after hours, other groups, other town groups coming in, often town meetings, elections, the weekends, you have all, you have all kinds of different stuff going on. And the, and the CHIPS criteria has specific um, methods or, 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 or credits to, to kind of encourage you to address these different uses. Is that, did I hear you correctly there? Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Uh, there are a few different ways that um, you know either the community gets involved in the the upfront design of the the school building, um, but there's also uh, particular credits in Northeast Chips and, and probably all the other adaptations of Chips as well um, that give you points for 
you know, joint use of facilities, I think is, is what it's called in Northeast Chips. So, um, you know, having plans in place to allow for the greater community to either, uh, you know, rent out the different spaces, whether that's the auditorium, the cafeteria, you know, just a particular classroom or, you know, some of the, the fields out in the athletic yard. Um, so there's different, you know, plans that you can have in place to, to make these uh, kind of, you know, transactions or these, uh, you know, the, allowing the community to use them, you know, pretty easily. Um, and, you know, some schools uh, may charge community for those uses. Uh, some may not, you know, it might depend on if you're a nonprofit um, or a for-profit, they might, you know, charge different rates there. But, you know, we're also seeing it's a great way for uh, some schools, if they are charging to, uh, you know, get a little bit extra money that way. Um, so it's something I don't think everyone thinks about when they're, you know, building a school, but, you know, it's something the community is really invested in and, and kind of wants to show off the school. And, um, you know, this is one of the, the great things about CHIPS is kind of gets you thinking about, you know, how your school can be used by others as well. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. That's something that I hadn't, I hadn't thought about uh, discreetly, not in that way. Yeah, and, and sometimes it can be a bit of a challenge because you don't necessarily factor in that the school is going to be used a lot more than, you know, just regular school hours. So, um, you know, things like uh, energy modeling and, uh, you know, just taking that into account is, is really important so that you can, uh, you know, have have accurate models and really try to understand, you know, how much the, the school will actually be used. So cool. it's it's things like that that, you know, we're trying to share those stories with folks uh, that are going through the process and, and make sure that they're, you know, aware of it if that's kind of the route they want to go down. And how, how about new, you know, are there new technologies or systems or, or maybe not new, but stuff you're seeing more and more? I mean, personally, I see lots more PV on schools everywhere, kind of a great high, visi- high visibility place for solar and a tool to teach kids about solar. But are there kind of different lighting technologies or ventilation approaches or are there any kind of new technological trends you guys see in chips schools yeah i think definitely um you know we're seeing a lot of renewable energies probably solar being the the biggest one um in schools and like you said it's you know definitely an opportunity to uh kind of teach students about what renewable energies are um but also on the energy efficiency side of things you know there are ways to kind of integrate that into the uh, the curriculum as well. Um, so in a lot of the schools I've toured uh, and you know just been in, I guess over the the past couple of years, um, you know LED lights are obviously you know very common. Um, controlling of those lights, uh, you know it's some schools will have uh, some really good daylighting features. So there'll be sensors in classrooms that you know will dim the lights automatically when uh, you know enough sunlight is being introduced into that room and. Uh, conversely, if you know there's not enough uh, natural daylight coming in, then the the lights will brighten. Um, so it's kind of smart control, smart building type features that we're seeing in a lot of other building types are now going into schools too, which is pretty cool. Um, you and know, maybe, related, can I, let me stop you for a second. But one, are, are there actually credits in the chips programs for uh, kind of incorporating high performance features as part of the curriculum for students? Is that strongly encouraged yes there is uh, a whole section and you know we often reference it or, or talk about it as kind of using the school as a teaching tool cool. um, but yeah integrating that into the curriculum yeah it gets you some some extra credits and in, in chips and uh, you know there are a lot of good other organizations that kind of focus specifically on uh, you know getting the um, 
working the building into the curriculum. So there are a lot of good like case studies and you know things that you can follow out there. But yeah, it's it's certainly built into uh, the chips criteria as well. Nice. That's pretty. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a great opportunity to kind of just engage and, and educate students. Um, you know, I've been in a few few schools where uh, the design team will um, really like accentuate or highlight the HVAC equipment in a building, like you know the ducts and um, things like that. They'll really try to paint them, you know, unique colors and, and bright and vibrant, so that uh-huh. it kind of piques the interest of students, and then you know maybe gets them asking questions about that and. Uh, you know, getting that conversation started. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And, and, you know, it just makes for kind of a, a nice environment with those, those types of colors, but that's kind of one unique way of seeing, um, you know, another technology that, that I've seen in a couple of schools now, um, there are these, you know, with technology just changing so much, you know, textbooks aren't as prevalent in schools and, you know, libraries are, um, a little bit different than they used to be when I when I went to school. You know, we were seeing a lot of uh, students with iPads or laptops, um, you know, owned by the school district potentially. Uh, so one thing that you know I've seen a couple times are laptop carts or you know device carts that uh, are are used for uh, charging the the equipment at the end of the day or you know whenever it runs out of battery life. Um, but basically, you know, these these laptops or iPads or whatever they might be are stored in a closet, um, and you know, there's a, a supply, uh, electric supply to the cart, and you know, once all the iPads are done charging, um, the electricity just kind of shuts off there. So it's not, uh, you know, you're not plugging in individual iPads or laptops in in classrooms, you know, all over the place in the, in the school anymore, which is nice to see. And you're not seeing kind of those phantom loads that are, you know, maybe the just draining a small amount of energy throughout the night. But, you know, collectively with all the iPads and all the laptops over the course of a year, that, that can amount to a lot of energy. Um, so, you know, things like these laptop carts are pretty cool that we're seeing that, you know, kind of help to uh, navigate that issue, I guess. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's interesting. I, I was at a meeting recently. This is related to Schools, but they 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 recently re uh, reset the benchmarks for commercial buildings for Energy Star through the um, portfolio manager tool. Uh, so the the benchmark for schools, one of the big challenges was was computers. From the last time they they set the benchmark, I don't know if it was six years ago or ten years ago, but you know they used to have this energy allotment for computers in schools, and you know school might have few dozen computers now they have hundreds and hundreds of computers they're much more efficient but they're they're so much more prevalent it's it's a it's an interesting interesting challenge just an interesting just exercise to see how these energy usage patterns change (laughs) yeah i think i think plug loads you know just in general are you know through the roof in a lot of these these types of facilities, um, you know, people plugging in and charging their devices, you know, maybe that happens less so in schools, but laptops and iPads for sure. That's, you know, huge and huge in schools. And then, you know, whatever the teachers might be bringing into the, uh, into the school as well, you know, as far as, uh, you know, coffee pots or mini fridges, those sorts of things. Um, you know, so managing all that, I, I think, you know, with some of the technology we have today is probably a lot easier than it was, um, and one other last kind of technology that I'm seeing a lot, um, and, and this is more on the student educational side of things, I think are uh, 
like building energy dashboards. Um, cool. So, you know, a, a big monitor right when you come in the school or in a kind of high visibility place that, um, you know, gets students interested in how much energy, you know, maybe it only maybe it only impacts a few students here and there. But I think, you know, it gets people thinking about how much energy they're using. And, um, you know, sometimes those can display, you know, tips for reducing energy. So, um, you know, we're seeing that a lot. Um, pop, I think, can pop up in a lot of building types, but especially schools where, you know, there's that educational component as well. Excellent. Excellent. So the, so the programs themselves, I know you can go online to the CHIPS website, chps.org, and you can sign up uh, for a free account and download all the info. Uh, is, there, is there a, does NEEP have a similar website for the Northeast CHIPS? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we, um, Neep.org is our website, um, and you know we have a, a ton of good resources and case studies on high-performance schools, um, and that's where actually the the Northeast Chips criteria lives. Um, so that's pretty easy to navigate if you if you go to our our schools page, um, and you know all our all our resources are are free to use, um, and they are you know meant for the the northeast and mid-atlantic states um so we work everywhere in uh, maine new hampshire vermont down to dc delaware and in west virginia now as well um so you know they're specific to those those states um so so i mean so that all that info is there and and free to use if somebody wants to go through the process of certification uh how does that work and and who is it that actually decides to sign up? Is it the designer? Is it the school board? Is it, how, how does the process work for getting certified briefly? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And, and, you know, it can be, um, a, a bit of a, you know, it, it'll depend, I guess, on, on the state and the community, um, you know, who actually kind of pushes for, uh, chips, you know, sometimes we'll see the, a school board member will be really familiar with Northeast Chips and they'll want to really push for that. Uh, sometimes it's the architect or the engineer bringing it to the community saying that, you know, you, these things are achievable and, and we should be looking at that. Um, usually it, it's the, you know, architects or the design team, I guess I, I should say, uh, kind of going through the process and, you know, doing all the paperwork and making sure that the credits uh, line up and that sort of thing and submit in documentation. Um, but it, it really can depend on, you know, who's pushing for it. Um, we always try to get uh, get some language in the RFPs when a community is going out uh, to bid for a, for a school project. Um, you know, we try to get language in there about um, targeting a low energy building or, you know, specifically Northeast chips. Um, so it can definitely depend on, uh, you know, just kind of where the, the, the process is taking place. Um, on kind of the chip side of things, um, it, it again will depend on the state because, you know, in, in Rhode Island, uh, they do in-house um, reviews of all, the, of all the documentation that comes in. So they actually, you know, do that. They have the school building authority there in Rhode Island that reviews all the uh, the forms that were filled out, and then they're the ones that actually, you know, say that yes, you met the chips criteria, or no, you didn't because of these reasons, and you know, this is what you can do next. Um, in other states, it's submitted directly to uh, Chips, the organization itself, and they have reviewers on staff that you know go through all this paperwork and, and figure out um, you know whether you met the criteria or not. So you know, kind of kind of depends. There are different different rules in different states, I guess. Early, I mean, earlier is better in any kind of design process to, to make sure you get details right, I'm sure. I mean, you don't want to be ready to start construction and then, hey, let's make this, let's make this high performance 
or I'm sure that this is even more the case for schools than some other buildings. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think these projects sometimes take years and years. Um, so the earlier you can get in and the, the more planning you can get done um, and, and just kind of the more information that you can gather as a community or as a design team on, you know, how to accomplish these goals, you know, the earlier, the better for sure. We try to try to tell that to all our communities. And, you know, a big piece of this is engaging with your local utilities. Um, and that's actually a, a, one of the prerequisites in Northeast Chips is, you know, making sure you're working with utilities and getting the technical assistance and the financial incentives that, um, you know, that they might have available to you. Uh, so that, of course, has to happen early on as well. So we're always trying to push for schools to, to think about these things early and, and, you know, get the process started as soon as they can. So, so what's the result? I mean, we mentioned early that, you know, good indoor environmental quality is great. It makes sense to want that in schools. But are there, are there kind of meaningful studies that show that, hey, kids learn better, they actually do better, has, has I'm, I have people looked into that? Yeah, there there are definitely um, you know a, a bunch of good studies out there. Um, there's a lot of like anecdotal evidence from you know maybe one particular school that's uh, seen reduced absentee rates since they opened up a high performance school. And you know one example I can share is the the Concord School District in New Hampshire. Uh, you know they they actually saw a pretty significant um, absentee rate reduction. Um, you know and they opened up a, a few new high performance schools. Um, back in 20, between 2010 and 2013, somewhere in that, that range. Um, and they saw those reductions. So, you know, there's a lot of things like that, but there are definitely some more kind of scientific formal studies out there. Um, the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health uh, is doing a lot of great work in this area right now. Uh, they have a couple of of uh, publications out there already that, you know, talk about really in-depthly, um, you know, how the indoor environment impacts student thinking and health um, and, you know, test scores. So there's certainly a lot of good information out there. Uh, the EPA actually has a lot of good resources on this as well. Um, I think they they have a whole webpage kind of dedicated to high-performance schools. I, I'm not sure the exact title of that webpage, but, you know, EPA and, and schools kind yeah, of gets you to cool. that all that information we can dig it up and we'll put it on the uh, on the show notes page as well as the link to um, the Harvard studies you said and and do you have do you have uh, kind of cool case studies yeah we have a, a number of them um, on our websites uh, you know I've done a, a, a done, I've done a bunch in the past few years um, but yeah we're always looking to add to them too so you know if you are ever working on a high performance school and want to create a case study I, you know I'm happy to work with whoever um, on that as well cool Cool. How how about existing schools? I mean, everything we've been talking about new construction so far, but does does Chips or or NEEP get into uh, programs methods to improve existing schools? Yeah. So you can use Northeast Chips um, for new construction, for major renovation projects, or kind of in a phased approach. So if you're just kind of doing you know capital improvement projects here and there, uh, you know, over time you can actually become um, chips verified. Um, but, you know, the existing stock is obviously much larger than, you know, new construction buildings. Um, so that's a, it's a super important thing to be targeting on the NEEP side of things. Um, you know, we do a lot of work with uh, facility directors. You know, we have a lot of strong connections with facility directors throughout the region. Um, and we're trying to help them understand, you know, what they can be doing to improve the efficiency of their buildings. We have this 
this guide called the Regional Operations and Maintenance Guide for um, public buildings. Uh, so it goes beyond schools, but you know a lot of it is is targeted directly at schools, and you know provides a lot of best practices and lessons learned and uh, kind of checklists. It's a user friendly guide to to help um, facility directors or um, others within a community really improve the efficiency of their existing building stock. So yeah, you know I I think. There's, we have a lot of work to do kind of as a industry whole on existing buildings if we want to, you know, really improve the, um, you know, the some of the carbon emissions and the, um, you know, our, our talk about climate change. You know, if we want to really improve those things, uh, you know, targeting the existing building stock is, is so important. Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. Yep. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big deal. And, that, and that's a frustration. I mean, we work with a lot of uh, designers, developers of new buildings and they're much 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 better and this is everybody's scratching their heads about all right what do we do with the 99 percent of buildings out there that are old Um, exactly you know and one of the the things that we always say you know you gotta you gotta start with um understanding your building's energy use so going through the benchmarking process you know using that portfolio manager tool that you mentioned earlier um you know that's really kind of where you got to start you got to take control it's just like you know if you're trying to get control of your, your finances and your personal life, you kind of budget things out. And that's kind of how I see, um, you know, looking at improving the energy in, in existing buildings. You know, you gotta, you got to dive into it and try to figure out how much energy you're using and, you know, where there's some room for improvement. So that's, that's really the key first step to me. Yeah, fantastic point. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree. So, so what's next? Uh, where, if we talk about this in five years, ten years... Any trends? You think there are some big changes happening? What what are what are high performance schools going to look like, or the programs going to look like down the road? Yeah, it was it was interesting. I was um, you know listening to some of the the earlier podcasts that that you guys have produced, and you know your talk about zero energy buildings, um, and and to me, you know, I think that's that's a really big one um, that's being talked about really all over in kind of small pockets of the region, you know, those, these conversations are, are definitely happening. Um, and depending on who you're talking to, you know, you'll, you'll get varying levels of, oh yeah, that's definitely possible at a, you know, similar, uh, budget to, you know, a, a regular or high performance building. Uh, others are, um, a lot more skeptical and think that, you know, it costs a lot more. So I think there's certain trade-offs, you know, specific to each project that, you know, can, can make projects a lot more if you're targeting zero energy, um, but to me, uh, you know, the the important thing is really targeting a, a low EUI building. So just making sure that you know the the building is conserving energy and using energy as efficiently as possible, um, and then you know tying in some of those renewable energy components into it as well. Um, so yeah, we're you know NEEP is having these conversations across the region. Um, I'm involved in conversations in Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Hampshire. So really. You know, it's happening all over. There's a couple of good examples down in Maryland. They had a uh, zero energy kind of pilot program where they selected three schools um, with some some state funding there uh, to to get to zero energy. Um, so I think there's one school open now that's I'm not sure if it's exactly at zero energy, but you know I would imagine it's it's pretty close if it's not you know truly zero energy. So um, and and there's two more kind of coming online later this year. So, you know, we're seeing more and more of these buildings pop up, um, and I think schools are on the leading edge of this kind of zero energy movement. So it's really good to see, and hopefully, you know, with um, 
education kind of all around across the market will be able to uh, make this possible, you know, more possible over the next five to 10 years for, for new construction at least. Awesome. Yeah, schools are schools that may be a hot topic with, with zero energy buildings because they're first, they're high visibility. People want high performance schools for all the reasons that we've been talking about. And they're often fairly large, low rise buildings with lots of roof area for, mm-hmm. uh, for solar. So, yeah, I, I, I think it could, uh, could be a winning combination. We'll stay tuned yeah. for more zero energy schools. I hope so. I hope so. So, uh, Thanks, John. Where I mean, where do people go? I think we mentioned chps.org is the chips website, and yeah, I think it's actually chps.net. But you oh, know, that's you, good. You, no, no big deal. You'd, you'd probably get there either way if you could. Yeah, uh, thank you for the correction. We'll, <laughs> we'll put the right link on our website, and and neep is .org, right? Is that right? Yep, neep.org. You got that right. Um, cool. And and I guess I'll just throw a a plug for one of our tools that really helps communities kind of figure out what they should be taking on. Uh, it's a tool we released early last year, uh, and it's kind of a user friendly guide for anyone in the community to to walk through and you know point to specific projects that they should be taking on. Um, so it's called. KP Community Action Planning for Energy Efficiency. Um, so if you're, you know, listening and trying to figure out, you know, where your community should be, uh, kind of thinking about energy efficiency and what to take on first, from, uh, you know, forming an energy committee to building a high performance school, there's all this information built into this um, this cool new tool. So, um, you know, I just wanted to to throw that out there as a good starting point for a lot of folks if you know they're they're overwhelmed with the mass amount of information that's out there. Oh, cool. That's that sounds like it could be a great resource. And that's on the NEEP website, and you can get to it from the NEEP website. Yep, that's correct. That's on right. NEEP.org. And we'll we'll link to that directly in the show notes, too. Awesome. Fantastic. Thanks very much, John. All right. Thank you very much, Rob. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Buildings and Beyond. For more information about the topics discussed today, visit www.swinter.com slash podcast and check out the episode show notes. Buildings and Beyond is brought to you by Stephen Winter Associates. We provide energy, green building, and accessibility consulting services to improve the built environment. Our professionals have led the way since 1972 in the development of best practices to achieve high-performance buildings. Our production team for today's episode includes Dylan Martello, Alex Mirable, and myself, Heather Breslin. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.